Today's episode of Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to dunks.robinhood.com. That's dunks.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.com backslash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome back to the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Funston, joined as always by our go-to guy, Eric Wong, a.k.a. Roto Evil. Uh, we have a lot to discuss on this uh, Fantasy Hoops pod. Before we get to that, uh, I want to just... Uh, mention to our listeners that you can follow me at Brandon Funston. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil, and you can follow Eric's stuff on The Athletic. Uh, you can see when he has his new stuff out by going to the at The Athletic FS. And of course, you can go straight to The Athletic site if you want. Uh, and if you would like a subscription to that for 40% off, we encourage you to go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes a subscription will also allow you to check out all of our nba podcasts including no dunks back to back hoops adjacent with david aldridge and the daily ding uh, we also have several great team-specific NBA podcasts as well. Uh, so with that business taken care of, I think, uh, Eric, obviously we have to start with the big news of the week, the tragedy that happened in the world of the NBA, uh, the death of one of their greats, Kobe Bryant, uh, last Sunday. Um, it's one of those moments that, you know, the kind of like where were you when Magic Johnson uh, was revealed that he had AIDS? Uh, you know, I think there's just these moments that happen in your life where you'll never forget where you were. For me, I was just sitting uh, in the in my living room and my daughter, of all people, said, Dad, did you hear about Kobe Bryant? And I was like, well, what did Kobe Bryant do? And then she said that he, you know, he was in a helicopter crash. And I was, you know, and I've heard this over and over again. Just dif- disbelief. That's everybody's first reaction. Um, Kobe was still so involved, uh, and you know, kind of still in the prime of his life at 41 years old. So much that he had planned to do and was involved with, and I think a lot of people were very interested in seeing uh, what you know life after basketball in the NBA for Kobe Bryant was going to look like. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see it. Do you have a? Was that? Was it kind of like a? you know, one of those freeze frame moments for you as to where you were when you heard the news? Oh, yeah, totally. I don't think I'm going to forget that kind of same situation uh, as you. I guess my sister had texted my mom and then my mom texted me and she just said, did you hear about Kobe? There was a helicopter crash. And so I kind of had to look it up uh, and see, but I just sat down to eat and was kind of uh, feeling good. And that was, you know, punched his stomach there and hard to digest and I mean I watched hoops that day and it was uh you know very 
sad and surreal and uh, i mean some of some of the games were very moving and it was um kind of powerful in a way watching guys like trey young play with uh, such a heavy heart and just come through with an amazing performance um and on the other hand you're like why are we even playing these games and at least they uh postponed that Lakers Clippers Staples Center game which I guess made sense and uh, kind of uh still setting in but um I think the thing about Kobe uh, sorry to interrupt you there um but is like you know his dad played in the NBA he's been around NBA players since all the way back then and then he came into the league at 18 years old and played for basically 20 seasons like he spanned so many, you know, he, pl- he interacted with so many players throughout his, you know, throughout his life so that, you know, this kind of news affected so many people. And, and, and you know, I was a, I, I, I grew up in the Northwest. I was always a Seattle Sonics fan. And I, you know, I, for most of his career, I hated Kobe and, you know, and I hated Larry Bird. And there's these guys that I hated when I was a fan and they were playing, but it was only because they were so damn good. And then when they were done playing, there's nothing left but respect for those guys and you 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 know you begrudgingly at first you start to have this real appreciation for these guys and then just it blossoms from there and so that's kind of where i was at with kobe i mean i always felt like you know he he wasn't quite jordan to me but man it was he was in the jordan mold and so close in a very you know it was it was probably as close to the kind of player that jordan was that we were going to see for a long time um I don't know what what do you remember about just watching him as a player? Right, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I was I mentioned in the the latest column that I was never he was never one of my favorite players. I was never like a huge fan of him. I felt he was a little overrated in a sense because he was never a very efficient player. But um now that you're reflecting on his career and his life and the impact, and I think when you look at the impact, that's when you start to realize how special he was. And um, like you see the effect that he had, not just on his peers and guys who grew up watching him, but even this younger generation who were seeing him on the tail end of his career, but he still had such a lasting impact on them. And he's talked about what it... uh, means to be great and i like uh his mentality is that it's uh like the the influence you have on people and making a positive impact in other people's lives and then those people turning around and having a positive impact on those other people's lives and uh he talked about that defining greatness and uh he's definitely done a a huge uh huge role in that and and uh I definitely have more respect for him now that I've been reflecting on his career and uh, the lasting impact he's going to have for a long time. Yeah, and I thought you uh, in the uh, with your athletic column this week uh, did a kind of a fun way to to honor him in in terms of doling out fantasy basketball advice and we're going to get to that in a second but uh, you mentioned that mentality the Mamba mentality and that was in your a column as well. Uh, just a couple things I have been listening to on local sports radio. There's one story that I've heard a couple times from the, from the host here who talked about Jay Williams when he uh, 
it was just him and Kobe in the gym, and he had come in. It was, I think, it was after a game or, or on a on a weekend when there wasn't a game, and then the gym was basically empty. And Jay Williams was he came in, and he's like, "Well, Kobe's here before me. I'm going to make sure that I keep shooting until after Kobe's gone." And and Kobe literally wouldn't leave, and like, and and he just knew that Jay Williams was probably waiting for him to leave, and he just was like, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna outlast you." And finally, <laughs> Jay Williams could make it, so he he gave up and. And, you know, and I think that was a lesson that Kobe was passing on to him that, that, you know, the the work ethic that everybody talks about. And, uh, and the other one was they were talking about as Sonics, what, what is, you know, that Kevin Calabro is now, he used to be the voice of the Sonics, now the voice of the Blazers, uh, was asking what, uh, Kobe, what his, you know, favorite memory was, uh, from his time playing against the Sonics and, he didn't. I mean, and believe me, as a Sonics fan, there was a lot of like scoring explosion games that he could have called out. But his favorite memory was just getting used as a young player by Kerry Payton in the in on the post. He said Payton like over and over again just would would post him up, and you know Payton had all kinds of crazy moves down there to get his shots off. But he was just abusing Kobe, and for Kobe, that was his favorite memory. And, and and you know just the way he is that was probably because because he learned so much there and was able to take so much away for the next time. So I think that was you know we, when you talk about the mama mentality, that's kind of a couple things that we talk about. So um, I, should we dive into uh, some talk about what you did in terms of your uh, honoring of Kobe in in on your fantasy column this week? Anything else you want to say about Kobe before that? Oh well, to piggyback on your uh, the practice Jay Williams story, that was uh, the cool uh, story. I hadn't heard that before, but I was listening to some audio clips I had come across, and uh, they talked about him when he started playing in this Philadelphia league when he was uh, 11 years old, I believe. He said, <clears throat> and it was a league that uh, like a summer league that his dad had played in and starred in. And his first summer, he played the entire league and didn't score a single point the whole summer and said, he just said flat out he was terrible, like compared to the other kids, he was not in their their class. And um, the next year, he came back a little bit better, a little bit better. And then he said by 14, 15, he was, you know, the best kid in the state, basically, and then the way he broke it down was like, he's like, it's just simple math. I, after that first summer, I started practicing two, three hours every single day. And you compare that to the other kids that are only practicing two or three times a week, you know, for hour, hour and a half. And he's like, you know, simple math. If I'm practicing that much more than them, I'm going to get fa- uh, better so much faster than them. Right. And, uh, he definitely did that. So, uh, I, that was cool to hear. And I, have my nephews listen to that to kind of, uh, you know, boost their uh, interest in trying to practice as much as possible. So, No doubt. I, cool. I'm a coach of middle schoolers, and I know that a lot of kids, when they go and practice by themselves, there's a lot of half-court shots involved and just screwing around. I have a feeling Kobe was, was working directly on games that would, you know, that would result in, in – in positive results during a game instead of half court shots. But uh, uh, it's interesting. Kobe, you know, he basically wore number eight to start his career. Um, he couldn't get number 24. I think he wore 33 as well. And those numbers were not available to him early on. So he, I believe it was, he was in an Adidas uh, summer league and where, which he was number 143. And so he added those numbers up and took number eight 
and that was what he wore for uh, I, I, basically the first half of his career. And then uh, then he was able to switch over to number 24 for the second half of his career. So um, there's been kind of a movement for a sort of unofficial retirement of his jersey. So, uh, you know, and it's it's kind of a curious case because it's both number 8 and 24. So we'll see what happens over the long haul. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean – what do you think about when you think about him as as an eight or a twenty four? I definitely think of uh, number eight first, and uh, that was a cool uh, Adidas story. I hadn't heard that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting that uh, a lot of guys are changing jersey numbers to to kind of retire that number. And I thought it was even more interesting that Kemba Walker uh, is, for the time being at least, he said he's still considering potentially switching but at the same time i got his quote he says i definitely have tons of respect for kobe but everybody mourns a little bit different for me i'm thinking i would love to honor him by wearing that number kobe played hard each and every night and i would like to honor him by doing the same and i think that's a a really cool take for kemba and obviously he's a all-star player and uh kind of kind of cool to continue wearing that number and play with uh even more passion but we'll see if uh teams uh start to retire that that number or not or both both numbers i guess i'm okay with Kemba's take as well and and i think part of it is that Kemba's a really good player and that he mentioned that you know uh you know he's gonna play hard each and every night and i that is a that is a way to honor kobe so i'm okay with that uh let's talk about your column this week and i'll i'll quickly describe the ways in which you honored Kobe's legacy. Uh, you, you had three different parts of the column. The first part was limited scores that are useful options. And by limited scores, you are saying guys that are averaging less than 7.6 points per game. The significance of that being that was Kobe's lowest mark in his NBA career, and that was his rookie season. And so what you're doing is looking at the guys that um, – even though they're not scoring a whole lot, scoring less than what Kobe did as a rookie, uh, they are helping you out. Is there a couple guys you want to mention? I'm not going to. We're not going to go through every player that you did in this column, and we encourage people if they're interested to go and check that out on the Athletic this week. But uh, is there a couple guys you want to, uh, you know, maybe mention from that column that exemplify this this uh, you know section of the column? Right. So I'll give. Uh Three guys, one one guard, one wing, and one big man. Uh, starting with the guard, we'll go with Chris Dunn. I mean, uh, very very limited score. Has uh, topped 14 points only five times all season. But uh, his minutes are up this month due to injuries. He's playing almost 30 minutes a game in January. And uh, giving you, like, Four and a half rebounds, four assists, and he's basically been averaging two steals per game all season long. He consistently gives you multiple steals per game, and uh, not many guys can do that. So big booster for the steals category can uh, help you climb quickly in roto leagues or help you win that category in uh, head-to-head leagues, and that's uh, definitely valuable guard to have on uh, your roster in deeper leagues until the Bulls get a little bit healthier. For a wing player, uh, my number one pick for this category was Trevor Ariza. Kind of uh, a little bit of cheating there because he was playing on the Kings and averages six points per game, 
on the Kings wasn't playing uh, major minutes, uh, under 25 minutes per game for them. But now that he's in Portland, he's playing 35 minutes a game and uh, definitely going to average more than that 7.6. He's averaging over 16 points over his first three games with Portland. That's a little bit... uh, skewed because he's made half of his threes and one of those games CJ McCollum sat out so he got extra shot attempts but it's not surprising that he's shooting the ball better now that he's on Portland getting to play with Dame Lillard more veterans uh, around him and you know he's going to chip in with like five rebounds at least one steal per game so kind of gives you those reliable wing stats and uh, especially if he continues to shoot the ball this well valuable add if he's still available in your league and then big man uh, Jacopoldo on the Spurs, just he's he's been uh, one of the more reliable shot blockers in the entire league, pretty much. Uh, especially lately, over his last ten games, averaging two point two blocks per game, sixty four percent shooting from the field, despite playing uh, under eighteen minutes a game, and that's very productive uh, per minute numbers right there. So definitely a good backup center to have uh, in deeper leagues. Yeah, I was just looking up the availability of these guys, and Ariza is still available in um, 63% of Yahoo leagues, and Chris Dunn about 56% right now. Um, so there you go; those guys are out there. And Ariza, yeah, he just seems to fit well. I had I was able to catch the uh, good portion of that Portland Houston game. I don't know if you saw any of that, but uh, you definitely get some open looks with Dame out there and. Dame is on an absolute heater right now, so uh, it's drawing a lot of attention. But but it seems to be a good pickup for them, for sure. Um, The other section, I talked about uh, honoring Kobe here. So your next section is third-year breakout candidates, and it's not for this year. It's for next year. Guys, it'll be in their third season next year. The significance of this is that Kobe kind of started uh, his meteoric rise in his third year, and... um, so you're looking at guys that you could see after playing the first couple seasons taking a big jump next season. So why don't you pull out some of your a couple of your favorites from that group? Right. So uh, uh, interesting guard is Colin Sexton. I feel like he's uh, kind of under the radar guard, not appreciated very much by NBA fans. Part of it is because. Uh, not many people are tuning into Cavaliers games, so not many people are watching him. He's not super flashy as far as his handle or his uh, athleticism above the rim or anything like that. But the dude just knows how to score. He gets in the paint uh, very easily. He's very shifty and quick. And he's on a pretty impressive scoring streak right now, scoring 16 points or more in 19 straight games. And... uh Lots of uh, 20 plus point games recently, and I think he's going to build on that next year. And uh, we could see him approaching 22, 23 points per game. And uh, he's become uh, an awesome free throw percentage booster, shooting well over 80% from the line, and definitely increasing the, the number of times he gets to the line. He's getting pretty good at drawing fouls, being aggressive, and, uh, you know, the he doesn't get a lot of assists, which is part of the reason why. Uh, fantasy owners aren't super super big on Sexton, but he's at least done a better job of grabbing steals this year. And uh, as he gets more efficient, and maybe more assists will come as he gets more talent around him. So I think he's definitely a player on the rise, and he's definitely a hungry player. 
who uh, I think will have a, a breakout season next year. And um, a couple of big guys that I put on the list, kind of uh, already valuable fantasy players for sure, but I could see them making a lot of noise next year and still potentially outperforming uh, where they're drafted are Jaron Jackson Jr. and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I mean, at the beginning of the season, Jackson was looking like a disappointment, was averaging just 15 points a game. His rebounds are have been weak all season long, but he also wasn't getting a ton of blocks at the beginning of the year. And um, he's just been on a tear since December 1st. Prior to the last game, at least, he was averaging uh, over 19 points, two blocked shots a game, three trays per game, while shooting uh, almost 50% from the field. And his three-point stroke just looks so pure, very effortless. And if he's if he's making that many threes and blocking that many shots, I mean that's that's really impressive and definitely helps playing with John Morant and kind of up-tempo team where Morant's pushing the pace and drawing a lot of attention. But I think the sky's the limit for that kid, and uh, at least uh, he's going to finish strong. And maybe the, the st- season stats at the end of the year will still be a little bit depressed because of that slow start. So he could still provide some nice value. And then DeAndre Ayton, you know, the the suspension definitely slowed him down and then uh, sprained his ankle, was coming off the bench for a few games. But he's he's been on a tear lately as well. And um, I mentioned the article, Aaron Baines is uh, 33 years old right now. He's injured, uh, sitting on the sidelines with a hip injury right now, and he'll be a free agent after the season. So if they let him walk and decide to give Aiton just 35, 34 minutes a game next year, and then he imp- makes minor improvements in categories like assists, field goal percentage, just improving the efficiency a little bit, we could potentially be looking at a top 10 fantasy player just on how well he's been doing lately and uh, his natural talent. He's a very gifted player. So those are three of the top uh, third-year breakout guys I'd be looking at for next season. Yeah, I mean, I think Aiton and Jackson, uh, really good calls. I mean, because they, they sort of had failures to launch to start this season. You mentioned Jackson struggles out of the gate and then Aiton with the suspension. But, yeah, I can see both of those guys really taking off and kind of looks like they're sort of already starting that uh, in that direction right now. And you mentioned Jackson um, and John Morant and – I believe, if I'm not mistaken, John Morant it lands into your in your third category here, which is players, current players possessing the Mamba mentality. And I believe you had a 24 year old cutoff as um, you know guys that are 24 or younger. Is that right? Yeah, I decided to go with uh, 24 and under just because. I mean, obviously, some of these more established guys were were well aware of, and uh, I mean, all of these guys are pretty established already but i think uh they're just going to have super super long and successful careers and i think we're going to see that these guys do special things well morant i mentioned uh it was in that list and i i love it It was a couple weeks ago i think i was out in vegas uh for the fantasy sports conference was when uh he pulled up on harden because harden wasn't really did you see that when 
Harden wasn't really guarding him that closely, so he just pulled up and knocked down a three. And as he's going back down the court, he can see him mouthing something to the effect of, "Tell that blankety blank who I am," or something like that. Like it was just, you yeah, know, it I was. See that. It was fun to just to see him, you know, and get fired up. And I, I think, you know, he brings a lot of passion, but he also, you know, you know, he's going to work for it as well. I, I, he's one of my favorite players uh, out of this rookie class, maybe my favorite from this rookie class, and I look forward to seeing him. Uh, in this league for a long time so uh your thoughts on john morant maybe some of the other guys that kind of uh are bringing the the mamba mentality that uh, kobe uh you know that we that we know kobe brought night in and night out oh yeah i mean morant definitely possesses that on multiple levels with the with the highlight reel stuff i mean i could watch highlights of that guy for a long time he's just so athletic and really fun to watch. So you have that aspect, but uh, his his stat production has been has been very impressive, rock solid. He's uh, one of just seven rookies in NBA history to average seventeen plus points, seven plus assists per game. A uh, bunch of Hall of Famers on that list: Oscar Robertson, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, Allen Iverson, uh, Trey Young. Certainly looking like he's going to have a Hall of Fame type career as well did that last year but Morant's been very efficient as well which I think is maybe the biggest surprise from a fantasy aspect uh, pr- a lot of people were probably expecting maybe uh, a low 40s field goal percentage and he's up close to 50% and uh, almost 40% from three point range being uh, pretty selective not just jacking up too many threes and then of course, the fact that the Grizzlies are winning, right? They're currently in the playoffs if if the season were to end right now. And uh, I don't think many people expected that for such a young team, him and Jaron Jackson kind of leading the charge and uh, outplaying some of these veteran teams like the Spurs and Blazers who have been uh, in the playoffs for quite some time. And so when you factor in all three of those things, that's just a really special rookie point guard that we're we're watching and he's gonna have uh, an amazing career for sure yeah no doubt murray state still blows me away a guy that's that athletically talented and so dang good how he how he fell but i guess he was a, a late bloomer um for sure what about uh what about a couple other guys on your list yeah i definitely put devin booker on the list uh definitely reminds me of kobe as far as his his swagger and uh body type and um they're both the 13th pick in their draft classes and you know both of those guys took that personally and have used that uh as extra fuel and uh obviously booker had that 70 point game uh in 2017 which was the highest scoring game since kobe's 81 point game back in 2006 uh i mentioned in the article, obviously, a major difference is that Booker has yet to play in the postseason. I don't know if you saw that clip over the summer where he got mad when he started getting double teamed in a pickup game. And then he was like, you know, <laughs> I get enough of that in the regular season. And uh, he's talking about how he, he's trying so hard and caring about it so much because he wants to make the playoffs. And, uh, you know, people might might say that he's not a winner, but I think it's just a matter of time before the Suns really break through, especially with DeAndre Ayton's progression. I, I think they're yeah. for sure playoff team next year. And uh, I think Booker's going to gonna be a force to be reckoned with for a long time. Yeah, no doubt. I think you're right. I, the, the 
the uh, the suns are trending in the right direction. Um, I was going to transition at this point, unless you want to mention anybody else uh, there, because you talked about Devin Booker and yesterday. Um, we're here on a on a Friday, and on Thursday the All Star selections were released, and Devin Booker didn't make uh, the West team. This is a guy who's averaging twenty seven points. Six and a half assists and shooting over fifty percent from the field. I just couldn't believe um, the West snubs. And then you look at the lineup of guys that did make it, and you're like, okay, well, you know, who goes? It's not. <laughs> there's a lot of really good players in the West. I didn't see um, as many egregious things in the East. But I guess we can just dive into this, and you can give your your thoughts. You want to just go through uh, the East starters and reserves, and then uh, we can talk about that, and then we'll go to the West as well. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you read off our the starters and reserves for the East? Right. So the East uh, starters: Trey Young, Kemba Walker, Giannis, Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, right. It's a combination of the fan vote, media vote, uh, and player vote. I believe uh, Trey Young was not as highly. Uh, I think he was the third, finished third among East uh, guards among the players, but was got in because the fans uh, had him as the number one guard. So that was pretty interesting to me. But uh, all those guys, well deserving. The East reserves are Kyle Lowry, Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton. Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis. And the big surprise for me was uh, Sabonis. Uh, obviously, I love Sabonis, and I think he deserves it, but I was kind of still surprised that he actually got the nod. Well, so here's the deal. Like, you, I'm, I'm going to read off the snubs that you, you've come up with. This is your list of the, of the biggest snubs in the East, and Zach Levine, uh, Jalen Brown, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving. And so I think what stands out there is that they're all uh, either you know guards or swingman type, and just looking across the roster, you got Embiid um, and Adebayo. I, I, you probably need a third big like Sabonis, and maybe that was what kind of pushed things. But just looking at the starters and reserves in the East, is there is there a change you would have made? Like if you could do a swap or two, uh, would you have put Levine in there for somebody or Bradley Beal in there for somebody? Kyrie, um, if you if you were in control here, would there be a change there? Um, it sounds like the guy that is most upset about it uh, being snubbed that he feels like he was snubbed is Bradley Beal. But if you ask me, that guy does not deserve it at all. I mean, Washington does not have a good record, but I've just seen way too many games where that guy's just sleepwalking in the first half and then he decides to start playing in the second half. And uh, that's not what an all-star does, in my opinion. I'd say uh, Levine and Brown are the most deserving. And given how well Boston has played, you might be able to uh, consider Jalen Brown over Sabonis. But, I mean, the Pacers have a strong record. And I think Brogdon had a better case before he started missing games. And so I think they made the right call in picking Sabonis. Like you said, another big man is helpful, and he's had an awesome season. So I think uh, I don't. I wouldn't change anything. I like that that team uh, that they picked for the reserves. Okay, yeah, I kind of I'm kind of with you. I think you, if you were to make a change, it would just kind of be uh, there's nothing you know 
I don't think there's any strong case to be made um, that someone should take somebody's place on the East. The West is crazy. Are you are you in agreement on this? Why don't you go through the West starters and the reserves, and then we can talk about the biggest snubs and if you would change anything. But let's just go through this uh, star-studded lineup for the West. Right. The West The West starting lineup is just ridiculous, and uh, it's probably a good idea that uh, a good thing that they do the – team captains picking teams now as opposed to east versus west because yeah. this does not look fair having a starting lineup of james harden luka Doncic, lebron james Kawhi leonard anthony davis <laughs> it's, yes. it's hard to see uh that lineup uh, honestly that's behind. close to what you would just choose as an all nba team right like it's really yeah close. that 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 might be like, old, just switch yeah. swap in uh, Giannis for one of those guys and uh, that's the all NBA team right there. Yeah, uh, the West reserves that made it are Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Brandon Ingram, Nikola Jokic, Rudy Gobert. Okay, so here's and and that's like we said this is a that sets this a a bunch of quality players there. But the snubs is an all-star team in and of itself. Um, your West snubs, the biggest guys that you had snubbed, we talked about it already, Devin Booker. Carl Anthony Towns, who early on was you know getting some MVP just talk. Uh, Paul George, John Morant, who uh, we both love as well. Paul George is a great player. Um, seeing what you see, would you make a change here, Chris Paul? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, Brandon Ingram? Too soon? I, like, what? What is there? Somebody that you would swap out here? Right. So I think uh, Paul George not making it is the right call. He's just missed too many games. The guy who I feel should have made it is I'm with you. Devin Booker should be an All Star this year. Yeah. Um, he's just he's done what people wanted him to do which is improve become a more efficient and sound player as opposed to just being a guy who put gets a lot of points and i mean his team still isn't winning that much but uh you know it's it's tough to win in the west and uh i would either take out brandon ingram who i'm guessing made it because of them needing another front court player right because uh, all these guards making it. They had four, four uh, out of the seven reserves are guards. So if if you need the front court player for Ingram, I would take out Westbrook. I think Devin Booker is more deserving than Russell Westbrook this year. Yeah, um, you know you could take out Ingram, you could take out Westbrook, you put in Towns and Booker, and I would be just fine with that. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. So what's the when's the when's the actual draft of of these guys going down? Yeah, I believe it's going to happen uh, next Thursday on TNT. Okay, so it sounds like always we'll fun that. to watch. Kind of sucks for whoever gets picked last, but hey. And it's LeBron and uh, <laughs> who's picking again? It's LeBron and LeBron and Giannis. Uh, same as last year. Okay. So LeBron, oh, there you go. Yeah. LeBron and Giannis are picking. So they'll pick next Thursday. And I guess we'll talk about this some more uh, on next Friday's uh, edition of the podcast. So uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, since we brought up LeBron, uh, I think this is a good time to tell you about Calm. Uh, take a breath and relax as we talk about. You know, we talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game, and that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. 
LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For LeBron, sleep is an important part of his mental fitness routine. He says, getting good sleep and finding time to rest is one of the most valuable things I can do for my body and mind. And if you head to calm.com backslash dimes, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. With Calm, you have access to the nature scenes LeBron loves, like rain on leaves and so much more, like sleep stories and meditations. Uh, for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com backslash dimes. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com backslash dimes. That's calm.com backslash dimes. So uh, we'll see if uh, LeBron uses his uh, Calm app to relax before next Thursday's draft and pick himself a winning team. Uh, we, As I mentioned, we'll discuss that next week, who he does end up picking. But um, we got a pretty big deal also coming up in the NBA trade deadline. That's on Thursday, February 6th. And so we're going to be talking about that as well, probably uh, more about that than the NBA All-Star team, to be honest. Uh, that's uh, expected. There's some big names we've been talking about on this podcast a lot throughout the season, and we'll finally get to find out if these guys are going to actually be on the move. So, Eric, you kind of have a big deal um, planned for that day, as I mentioned, Thursday, February 6th. The deadline, I believe, is 12 noon East uh, noon Pacific time. So you are going to be uh, chatting with The Athletic. You'll be online uh, hosting a Q&A. And it's not just a, a normal Q&A that we hold here at The Athletic, which usually goes about an hour. You're going to plan to sit in for two and a half hours. So you're going to do two two-hour run-up to the noon deadline and talk about any trades that have occurred up to that point. And you're going to stick around for a half an hour after that and just kind of round things up and, and, and answer any other questions that people have. So we encourage you, if you're interested in what's going to happen, uh, to, to check in on that. But uh, let's just preview what might happen. Why don't you give me uh, the teams that you expect are going to be the, the you know, maybe looking to get rid of their, their stars, be, you know, a team ready to – either start a rebuild or take advantage of the teams that are out there looking for these guys and, and get rid of some big contracts. So who are the sellers that you expect to see next week? Right. Some of the more obvious sellers, I think I put down as the Knicks, Cavaliers, Pistons, Timberwolves, and Warriors teams that are obviously on the losing end and have some veteran pieces that uh, contending teams would be interested in. Well, let's just, let's just go through those teams really quick. Why don't you give me one guy on each team that uh, you feel has a realistic chance of getting dealt? Well, so Nick's obviously guy, obvious guy is Marcus Morris. Uh, I think teams would rather have him than Andre Guadalla, who is still in the trade market. I'm not sure if the Grizzlies are still holding out for a first round pick or not, but uh Marks Morris having a huge year for the Knicks. That three-point shooting is invaluable, and he's tough, defensive-minded player. I think uh, it's got to be over 90% chance he's getting moved. For Cleveland, um, I mean, I would still like to see Kevin Love get traded, and I'm sure they're trying hard to make that happen. I'm not sure how feasible that is, but uh, they sh they should be trying to make that move. Uh, for the Pistons, I think Derrick Rose is probably the most likely. I mean, 
Andre Drummond, I would also like to see him get moved, and I th- still think there's a good chance, but it sound, it's starting to sound like Derrick Rose at least will be easier to move, and lots of teams should be interested in that potent scorer that they can bring off the bench or start if they need to. Minnesota, I'd say Robert Covington, kind of the same same as Marcus Morris. If one team uh, misses out on their first option, whether that's Morris or Covington, then they'll pivot to the other guy. And then the Warriors, uh, probably Alec Burks. Uh, or, um, I mean, I don't know. They already moved Kali Stein. They are struggling because they're playing so many young guys. But, uh, I mean, uh, it doesn't hurt much to them to to lose more games. Uh, and uh makes sense to kind of move these proven veterans who are playing well this season and get some assets in return. Okay, so mentioned the guys that uh, could be moving. Who are the guys? Uh, who are the teams out there that you expect are going to be the most interested in these kind of guys that are available? Uh, the teams that will be at the top of the buyers list. All right. So obviously, all of the contending teams would like to add pieces to improve their team, but I would say some of the teams that already have strong teams that I think it makes the most sense for them to try and upgrade a little bit would be the Miami Heat in the east and then the Nuggets, Clippers, and Rockets out west. Uh, What about teams stuck in the middle (laughs) trying to decide uh, whether they're buyers or sellers? Yeah, it's definitely tricky. You have a team like the Thunder that has kind of uh, outperformed expectations and – you know, there's a lot of talk of Chris Paul being moved before the season started, and now suddenly he's led this uh, resurgence, and OKC is playing really well. But then they also have Stephen Adams, who, if he is on the trade market, is probably you know one of the most valuable big men available. And so uh, we'll see we'll see what the Thunder do. They could either be buyers or sellers. I think the most interesting team that could go either way is the Spurs. Right, they have DeRozan and Aldridge that everybody knows about. Very proven, uh, proven players, veterans that could totally help out teams. And uh, the Spurs, they're kind of still fighting for that spot, and they could very easily sneak into the playoffs. And at the same time, it, I feel like it kind of makes sense for them to to move on from those guys and uh, develop their younger guys more. Try and uh, get an athletic big man and. Uh, We'll see about that. DeRozan's been on a tear lately. Maybe he's trying to pump up his trade value. I'm not sure about that. And then you also have young teams like the Suns and Pelicans who could try and get a veteran to help them win because it is important, even if they're not making the playoffs, to start establishing that winning uh, mentality. Or maybe they'll try and sell off some of their veterans, like J.J. Redick on the Pelicans. Teams would love to have him. And that would open up minutes for some of the younger guys. So those are some interesting teams to watch at the next week at next week's deadline. Yeah, I think the Suns and the Pelicans are, you know, that you could easily see their future and what it what it you know the players that they're building around it. The Spurs, for me, I'm with you. Like I just don't know who you want to build around there. Like I would, if I was the Spurs, I would be sellers and I'd be looking to to kind of blow that up and, and try to figure out a new identity. Uh, Cause I think they got a guy, a lot of guys that are sort of middlemen um, decent, but you know, DeMar DeRozan is not the guy you're, you're building a winning franchise around in my opinion. Um, 
So we'll see. And, and Chris Paul in the Thunder, uh, I can see it right now. They're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to he's going to play great in the first round, and then he's going to be unavailable for about eighty percent of the rest of the playoff games. <laughs> it's, just, it's Chris Paul's mo. That's just that's my jaded take on Chris Paul. So I think the Thunder are playing a dangerous game. You know, um, if they want to hitch their wagon to Paul for the long haul, but uh, I don't know. You feel differently? Um, I'm no, because I think he is. There's a lot of value to having a veteran leader who can teach the young guys what they need to to become stars. And I think he's doing that for Gilgis Alexander and Dennis Schroeder. So I think they're, they're making the right move. All right. Well, that, as I mentioned, uh, there's a preview of the trade deadline and Eric's going to be sitting down on trade deadline day and, and answering all your questions right around, uh, the trade deadline. So be sure, uh, if you're not a subscriber to the athletic to, to go ahead and do that. And, and then, uh, you know, you can, you can, watch how this thing plays out along with Eric and ask him questions about the deals that do go down. Um, Eric, next week, we're going to talk all about that. We're going to talk about the all-star selections that are made between LeBron and, and Giannis, uh, but we've got to wrap it up for this week. So why don't you quickly give us the games you're going to watch this weekend and we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. Yeah, definitely tonight. Some two very special games to watch. Uh, Grizzlies at Pelicans. We finally get to see the rookie matchup everyone's been wanting to see. John Morant against Zion Williamson. I'm sure they're going to want to put on a show. And then, of course, the Trailblazers playing at Staples Center against the Lakers, their first game after the Kobe tragedy. And it's going to be very emotional game. And, I mean, Dame Lillard's been on fire lately. Let's see if the Lakers can cool him off. That's kind of can't-miss TV as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no doubt. That's a big one. And you mentioned Lillard. I uh, was watching him, and he, he Harden was guarding him, and he just pulled up mid-shot clock from almost the logo at the center court and, and drilled it. And he did it twice in the game, and they showed a stat that from 30 feet and beyond, he's already he's already set an NBA single-season high, and he's got plenty of, of season left. It's just... The guy's amazing. So uh, that'll be a fun one to watch. And as you mentioned, the first game back at Staples after Kobe's uh, unfortunate um, passing. So that'll be a huge one. Uh, Must-see TV in my mind. Uh, we have to get out of here, Eric. Um, once again, I want to mention that you can follow me at Brandon Funston. You can follow Eric at Roto Evil on Twitter. Uh, you can, of course, follow Eric's stuff at The Athletic. And if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic and you want to do that, be sure to take advantage of 40% off at theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes. Gets you access to all the great podcasts on the site. A lot of good NBA stuff available uh, on iTunes and Spotify. And if you enjoy them, we would always appreciate you leaving us a quick rating and review on that as mentioned we'll be back next friday to talk about nba trades talk about nba all-star teams but until then have a great week and we'll see you next time